Welcome to the Produce Industry Podcast, your weekly download on current events, trends, market reports, and community discussions. Join us each week from Tampa, Florida, as we cover all aspects of the produce supply chain industry. Ladies and gentlemen, here's your host, Patrick Kelly. Hey, produce people, welcome back to the Produce Industry Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Kelly. As always, I am honored to be here, coming to you live from Tampa, Florida. Today is August 1st, 2022. That's right, everyone. Only five more months and the year is over. Only three more months till we start getting into the holiday season and four more months until we're about to be like, what? It's December 1st. Couple announcements before we get started today. Did you check out the virtual networking hour last week that was sponsored by Golden Star Citrus? Really appreciate everyone for coming out for the hour. Now, if you were there, we talked about the changes in the hour. I'm going to post it on LinkedIn and also on other social media channels that we are going to change it from 6 p.m. to now 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So stay tuned. Let's not forget, we've got a couple cool shows coming up in the upcoming months. We've got the Indie Fruit Showcase that I'll be out in August, broadcasting live from, as well as September, SEPC Southern Innovations that we will be in Tennessee for, which I will also be doing some videos on. And then October, the IFPA, which we will have some special announcements for, and you are going to be excited to hear what we have planned. Now, for our featured guest of today, we are bringing back trendologist from Data Central's Mike Castillo to talk about all things fresh produce. We talked about the top five fruits. We've talked about the top five veggies. Now, it's time to talk about the top five trends that we picked out. So without further delays, let's get Mike on the line today. Hey, Mike, welcome back for the third time to the show, man. Oh, I'm so excited to be here again. Every time we talk, it's uh, it's a little bit of excitement. I get a little bit of butterflies. My hair <laughs> on my arms stick up because I start to really learn things uh, from your side. You know, as a trendologist, you know, I'm like, you know, am, is what I am thinking really true or am I just nuts sometimes, right? Or as they would say, or am I just bananas, right? So <laughs> yes. it's it's fun to just to learn some of the you know things from you and and the first two I would say episodes right we talked about the top five fruits growing and trending on the mm-hmm. menus and then we did the top five veggies and then we were like you know we got to go round three right we we said we had yep. to um, but it was more or less because there's so much to talk about in the world of produce right yep absolutely and that's why we're here today because we got a few topics that are off the cusp topics that we're going to talk about. And, you know, I'll go ahead and list them off for you all today, but we're going to talk a little bit about seasonality fruit. Is it America's favorite food or did it slip (laughs) into second place? What about produce made for social media, functional fruits and vegetables, everybody. And what about the produce, the new varietals, these pink pineapples, cotton candy grapes and more. So, you know, Mike, I'm going to kick it off to you right right away, just to, you know, obviously tell everybody hello, obviously, for being back. And then I'm going to let you jump into the first one, which is seasonality. 
Sure, absolutely. So I'm excited to be back and I'm excited to do yeah, a topical episode. So the first two episodes where we dove into specific varietals were so interesting, but this one just kind of covers all the trends that we're seeing that are really impacting produce overall. And so I am Mike Castillo. I'm the trendologist at Data Central, which is the food market research and insights company. And I'm going to jump right into it. Uh, we have five topics to cover in a short period of time. So I feel like we should get started. And so I, you kicked it off, you know, talking about seasonality. And, you know, the reason I want to talk about seasonality is because I think it almost seems, you know, obvious we're talking about produce. Seasonality is so important to produce, but it's also so incredibly important to consumers. So we actually did a study about LTOs. So those limited time offerings that, you know, big chain restaurants put on menus, the Doritos Locos Tacos or the McRibs or things like that. And we asked consumers, what's the most important aspect of an LTO to you? So if a restaurant's going to put one of those on the menu, what should it have? And the number one things that consumers want to see when it comes to those LTOs is seasonality. So for restaurants out there that are developing new menu items or, you know, those menu items uh, that really get consumers excited and make them want to visit, um, you know, your restaurant to get that particular thing, um, it should be a seasonal offering, which probably means that you're going to use produce in it. That's what I'm talking about. But, you know, thinking about seasonality, though, I always think about like my favorite fruit, right? Or something, you know, what can I have that I have to wait for? And it's kind of mm -hmm. funny because uh, last week I logged on to LinkedIn in the morning and, you know, Scotty Horner from EMP uh, Produce, he, he uh, did a tag of, of a YouTube of Jerry Seinfeld and, and Kramer about a peach that only comes in season two weeks out of the year. And then, they, <laughs> and then they sell out. I don't know if you remember that episode. It was like the Mackinac peach. And, you know, it, it's funny though, because I, I feel like we used to get really excited about seasonality. Mm -hmm. I feel like when, you know, geez, I don't even want to say the name of this apple, but it's like your old red delicious apple. It's like, now it's like, it's not even that great anymore. Right. Yeah. And it's like, you wait for the, you know, you wait for a good apple to come out. Now there's 48 different varieties yeah, of apples. So so you, uh -huh. you got, you got year round to be excited. But like I said, the longing for being like, you know, I can't wait for a deco pond, you know, to come out, you know, in February and have it for two months of the year and eat as much as I can. Right. You know, who else did that? That darn McDonald's company in the McRib did that too. <laughs> they only bring it back for, yep. for a few months. Yeah. But sure enough, you had every lover of the McRib. And, and I, you know, going back to it, going, oh, I want the McRib. Oh, we're sold out. What? You're only in for two months and you're sold out? I was never a McRib lover. My buddy was. But you know what I mean? It's like, are we longing for the moment for seasonality to come back? Or do we want year round? I mean, because I hate, I used to love, well, already like this. I used to I hate, but I used to love. Oh, that was weird. But I hate <laughs> Wes Mercotts now. You know, those little tangerines that, you know, they're coined as cuties or, or halo. Uh -huh, uh -huh. um, they're coined as these, but some of these organizations, they bring them in green and gas them. Yeah. Yeah. It's because they're trying to get them out early, you know, Mike. And it's like, it ruins, it ruins it. It ruins. And that's the, yeah. I think consumers are also getting really savvy about that too. I think they've heard the stories about it. I think they know that, you know, there are particular varietals that are only going to be good in that particular season. So I think, you know, too often in the industry, we kind of underestimate consumers. And I, I actually think they are pretty savvy about seasonality these days. I'm telling you, I will be bougie when it comes to seasonality. <laughs> like, I, I, I know that sounds bad, but at the end of the day, I, I won't eat 
a bad piece of fruit or vegetable, but I won't go to the store and seek it out, you know, when it's four months past or when you've got a melon coming from, you know, Honduras or Guatemala, that's still a good melon, but they're trying to brand it as the same melon because they know Mm -hmm. that's going to increase sales. Mm -hmm. Right. So I totally agree with you. And and some people might be telling you, Pat, stop shooting yourself in the foot. You sell produce. But (laughs) on another side, you can capitalize on more more produce dollars by representing your brand in the right way and always having the right quality. That's 100% it. I think that's the thing too. On the other side, if you do have a seasonal produce variety that's out there, don't take it for granted that consumers know that, you know, make sure you have marketing signage out there. Make sure you're calling that out. You know, you're leaving dollars on the table if you're not calling out that seasonal produce variety. 100%. And, And again, if you do have one of those great seasonal items, it is a staple product to your program. You can use it as leverage, I say. And, and some people don't like to use that, Mike, because they're like, oh, no, we're going to piss off the buyer. <laughs> Listen, we're trying to consume more produce. We want to make good deals. Last time I checked, I saw Melissa's had like this $70 melon. You know what I mean? Oh, like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh-huh. But you see absolutely. what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like, and, and you think that you're going to call and, and get all of their melons. No, they're going to leverage other products against you. They're going to say, Hey, we can't sell all this to you. So, you know, long for the seasonality is what I say, people, I'd love to hear from you, you know, send me an email, um, the produce industry podcast at gmail.com. Please let me know if you long for seasonality or if you want year round produce, because I, I really want to know what you, what you're thinking out there. Right, Mike? Yeah, absolutely. So moving forward, I mean, I'm going to keep moving down the line. We can go on for seasonality forever. And I'm going to throw one more note and it might spark you to talk about seasonality again. But do you ever notice how when we look at flowers, a birds of paradise is only normally in season in certain regions and you can clip them and you can have them in Florida, but are they going to survive as long? And it makes you feel the seasonality of having a birds of paradise from California or from somewhere else and having it in your house, right? But you know, if you try to plant it, it might or might not work. But the seasonality of seeing the birds of paradise bloom is just a longing moment for me. Ah, that's a, that's a great example. No, absolutely. So that being said, number two, we're going to talk about fruit becomes America's favorite food. Or is it, Mike? Yeah. I'm gonna, I'm, <laughs> or, or is it, right? And we put this as number two to talk about. And I'm going to let Mike jump in again on this. Uh, Mike, wh- why did we put fruit becomes America's favorite food as our number two topic to talk about? So this is really interesting. So we have a database called Flavor, which is basically every single food flavor, you know, anything that we eat that you can imagine. And we test the heck out of all these things with consumers. So we ask consumers, you know, do you eat this all the time? Have you had it before? You know, we break it down by demographics. And every time we update the data, we like to see the changes. And so earlier this year, we were looking at the data. And so for the longest time, pizza has been America's favorite food, always number one. Um, And no surprise, you know, it's a comforting food, uh, pretty much any generation likes it. And so we always expected to see pizza at the top of the list. Well, earlier this year, we were looking at the new update and actually fruit had overtaken pizza. So for the first time ever, fruit had become America's favorite food. But now we do update this list um, quarterly. So, you know, we do kind of see some changes changes in the data every time we see an update. And we just updated it again recently and they are neck and neck with each other, but now fruit has fallen to second place. So actually 90% of American consumers say they love or like pizza and 89% of American consumers say they love or like fruit. But I still think it's an absolutely fascinating statistic. 
it is a race to the finish. And again, <laughs> pizza is always a staple item. Now, does that count the plant-based pizzas in there as well? Because, you know, it might become favorite. A lot of different and the upcoming generations are going to plant-based. You know what I mean? So Absolutely. Yeah, yeah the cauliflower yeah. pizza, sure. Yeah. I'm just saying, I mean, it might not be just fruit, but fruits and veggies become yeah, yeah. his favorite food. Uh, pizza, obviously, staple item. I mean, I just had pizza last night uh, for dinner. And I always love talking about pizza because, you know, you got the haters out there. They're like, oh, I've seen Pat eat pizza and this and that. But what's so crazy is, is if you go to a good pizzeria, okay, and if you just look at what's behind the counter where they're making the pizza, you've got fresh tomatoes, mm -hmm. okay? Because now they're going to use tomato sauce out of the can. We know that. Come on. We know that. But if you go to a good one, you're going to see the fresh basil. You're going to see freshly chopped tomatoes and sweet peppers, right? Bell peppers. You're going to see mushrooms. You're going to see anchovies. You're going to see pineapple. I mean, people think about what a pizzeria even orders on the side of fruits mm -hmm. and vegetables every single week. I mean, this restaurant chain pizza. No, pizza's bad for you. It's got carbs. It's bread. Ah, how much produce is involved in a pizzeria, Mike. Oh, 100%. We actually went to the Chicago Pizza Fest this last weekend, which was two days, all the best pizza operators in Chicago. And it's exactly what you said. When you looked, you know, behind um, the festival booth there at what they were using, I mean, it looked like a farmer's market booth. They had so much produce back there. So much. And I think that's the fun thing about it, right? Yeah. And some, yeah. some pizzerias, will actually cut up their tomatoes and have chunks of their tomatoes mm -hmm. in their mm -hmm. sauce as well. Really chunky. So, you know, don't count out pizza and fruits. And, you know, I have one, one of my friends, um, she's, she hates pineapple pizza. Yeah. It's very polarizing. It is. It is. Some people just can't get past it. The, you know, but you know, if you like that sweet and uh, tangy taste, I mean, heck, pineapple and uh, Canadian bacon. I mean, I, I'm just saying. I love it. I love it as well. Um, I always, I, that's like now it's like when we order pizza for the kids, we always get a cheese pizza because the kids, right. They want the sure. cheese pizza. Yeah. But every time my wife's like, are we doing like veggie? Are we doing Hawaiian? Right. And we got to have some, we got to have something else on it. And it's always good. I mean, I never would have thought on your Hawaiian as well. You put sweet peppers on a Hawaiian as well. That's also a good one. Just add a little extra kick into it instead of using the jalapenos that are in the box. See, sure. that's another yeah. thing. There's always a jalapeno in the in box. In the box, that's See? true, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's interesting too, you know, dessert pizzas are growing a lot. So in our menu database, you know, we look at what's growing on menus. And actually dessert pizzas are one of the top growing items on menus in the past year. And on those, you see, you know, all kinds of fruits being used on them. So it's both fruits and veggies on both sweet and savory pizzas. I agree. I agree. And then you got some of those new like blaze pizzas. Oh, you know, love blaze. Such a yeah, great concept. You can customize it, right? You could put barbecue sauce drizzle all over it. Oh, come on. Get out of here. Yep. When you see people that can't make a decision going down the line, and by the time they get to the end, their pizza's just mounded with every topping that they have behind the counter. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. Because guess what? 
pizza is America's favorite food as long <laughs> as there's fruits and veggies on it. I'm, exactly, I'm, sti- exactly. I'm, stick- I'm sticking to it, Mike. I'm sticking to it. And, and speaking of restaurants, I think this leads right into number three. And we're going to do number three before we take a quick break here from our sponsors. But number three, produce made for social media. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, if I always say like I, I coined myself as being produce on social media, but I'm not doing what a lot of people are doing out there. I mean, when I say produce made for social media and I'll say my take on it and then, you know, Mike can jump in, but it's like, you know, you look at someone like Carl Fiadini with the restaurant life, who's going to restaurants and and filming them cook and filming them, how they incorporate fresh fruits and vegetables in their meals or in their Mm -hmm. drinks. Right. I mean, that is an art, right. To watch and watch these people do it or even loading up Instagram and seeing reels in the morning of someone throwing a stick of butter and then onions and then peppers, and then it moves to the meat. And then all of a sudden you see this delicious meal. I feel that it happened to say this in the funniest way because someone said it to me. It's like food porn. Okay. <laughs> it is. It it's is. Like, That's exactly what it is. Someone said they were like, man, and I'm using a lot of those. I'm going to use another one that you're going to laugh. Um, but it's like people said it's, it's like food porn. And they're like, and why can't your mouth have a stimulated orgasm. Like when you, <laughs> when you put a peach and bite it and you get those tingly sensations in the side of your cheeks and the juice dripping down your tongue in your mouth. Oh my gosh. And like you said, I'm just saying here, I mean, it sounds bad, Mike, but it's also true. It, it's no difference than any other part of sensation on our body. Sensation exactly. actually yep. does that to you, man. When you take a big bite of a juicy peach, it's like, it's a leaner. You just lean over and. Oh, I mean, that's the reason man. why we have so many recipes called better than sex X, you know? Yeah, absolutely. It's there. Hey. There's a sensuality to it. There is. And, and <laughs> again, not trying to go all crazy into that. But again, <laughs> when you look at the social media aspect of it, People love to see where their food comes from. They love to watch their food being prepped. And that was one of the things that I always loved about some of the pizzeria restaurants, right? Is you could see them cooking from your table in the background. I always enjoyed going to Waffle House and watching them cook right in front of you. I always enjoyed going to the Tapignaki and watching them cook right in front of you. I've never been to a Japanese tapenaki and not see people recording them cooking. Right, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Well, it's such an interesting trick. You know, there's multiple varieties of produce that, um, you know, I don't know if we would say they specifically trended or they specifically grew solely because of social media, but social media surely helped. So I feel like one of the best examples of that is watermelon radishes. So watermelon radishes are way up on menus. And part of the reason for that is because they look so cool. You see them all over Instagram. You see them all over, you know, the photography being used in third-party delivery websites for restaurants. Um, And there's so many examples of produce varieties like that you know we saw the same thing with the avocado roses or you know where they were fanning out avocados to put on top of the avocado toast I mean it just looks so good when you took that picture from above Um, it just had that really wow Instagram factor and I think that's the evolution that we're seeing is so much of it used to be so focused on photography well now with TikTok and Instagram reels now everything is so focused on you know video so chopping is you know really key we see so many TikTok videos of people chopping up a bunch of fruits and vegetables to make that salad, you know, anything that just what you just talked about has that kind of really visual, you know, sensual kind of aspect to it really does well on social media. And that's what it's about too. I mean, even on social media, it's about an emotional connection 
you watch reels, you wonder how some of those reels have thousands of thousands of views is because it connects with that person emotionally. I've been, I've been trying to up my real game, Mike, as well. And I'm trying to make it to where it's, I've got a cool background, right? Which is my fresh juicer. And then, you know, I'm trying to be authentic and just having fun or asking questions. And I think one of my last reels that I put out and I'm, I'm now I'm like looking up on my phone while we're here is uh, it was just two days ago. And I think it just roughly 18,000 uh, views. And I think over the week, I normally have about, you know, 40 to 50,000 views in reels. But a lot of it is, you know, when someone says a freshly squeezed orange juice gives you heartburn, it's just me laughing. <laughs> but, but it's got the fresh juicer in the background that's showing, right? Yep. Or it's, you know, when the juicer is working, right? And then I'm showing the juicer working, but then you got to share it with your friends, right? So it's, it's like trying to like do different things or, hey, did you know? If you combine combine a Valencia with a tangerine, you get really fresh, crazy fresh orange juice. Yeah. So it's, it was more or less, it's like just trying to elevate of, hey, if I was to scroll through, would I watch this? Yeah. Would it grab and, you? Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Will it grab you? Well, and you got to show produce, right? Yeah. So a lot of times I'm like handling produce. I'm pretending to bite it. And, and the only reason I'm doing it is to create more viewing and consumption, right? You want to help them view that and then have these symbolic messages. Like, man, I got to get an orange today. I got to get some fresh juice today. <laughs> yes, yeah. Well, that's no, I mean, and that's what we're seeing too. I mean, we're seeing so many brands connecting with consumers through social media from that aspect. There's a great juice shop that I follow on TikTok called Alchemist Organics. Um, and it's spelled A-L-K, so Alchemist. Um, and all they do is just show them, you know, cold squeezing all of the different types of, you know, fruits and veggies that they use in their juices. But they do it in that really heightened way. You know, everything is slowed down. You see, you know, the, um, the fruits, you know, bursting open. You see them opening up, um, that I don't even know what you would call it. It's like a little like filter type of thing where you actually see the um, the pulverized fruit at the end. And then people in the comments are actually saying, you know, use this type of fruit. I want to see you do this one. So it's such a great example of, you know, really hyper particular um, kind of operator, but just connecting with people. I mean, I don't even live in this, you know, restaurants market and I watch their videos all the time. That's what I'm, you don't have to. I mean, nope. I, I watch videos, I watch this baseball guy all the time and I, I don't even play baseball, but I love his reels because he's an Italian and he always doesn't like Italian, like really like thick Italian accents. And, but it's hilarious, <laughs> but it's like, sometimes I'm just like watching and I'm just like, what am I doing? And he'll talk about baseball and like umpires. And then he gets into golf, but, but it's amusing to me and it does, it connects with me. And then some of the things I look at, you know what I mean? I'm like, Oh, okay. All right. I'm like, I get it. I get yep. it. You, you know, <laughs> uh, but again, it's one of those things where social media uh, produce is made for it. It's got, yep. the, it's got it all. I mean, so my one advice I would tell you uh, before we had to break is listen, if you don't have social media, just try it because you're failing by not doing it. Yep. You're not Agreed. reaching people by not doing it. So it's okay to start it. Guess what? Everybody starts with 30 views, one view, two yep. view, three view. That's where everybody starts. Heck, I still post and sometimes I can get 15 to 18,000 views and then I post tomorrow or the next day or the five. Right. Yep. It just depends on what people are willing to see. And remember, Steve Jobs said it best, everyone. You don't know what you want until I show it to you. <laughs> so show people what you have and that can create something that they never even knew they wanted. Agreed.
Uh, uh, second. I'm second in Mike's <laughs> comment. The second in my comment. We're going to take a quick break. Be right back. Hear from our sponsors. Discover Orchard Freshness on Amazon Fresh with Arctic Apple Slices. Arctic Apples stays orchard fresh longer than other prepackaged, pre-sliced apples. This means less waste and no more half-eaten apples. Plus, you'll love the undeniable freshly picked flavor. Arctic Apple Slices are available in convenient grab-and-go bags in both Arctic Golden or Arctic Granny varieties in select markets on Amazon Fresh. Hackable, snackable, 100% irresistible. Are you ready to enhance your skills? Every day we are tasked to make fast, effective decisions to keep up with the fast-paced produce industry. At AgTools, we take the pressure off of gathering data to help make your day easier and more enjoyable. Connecting the supply chain with AgTools is unique, practical, and easy. AgTools can be used from multiple angles of the produce industry, from farmers all the way to logistics companies. We call that 360-degree decision-making day after day. Visit us at www.agtechtools.com to gain more reliable and relevant data to see more, achieve more. And now, back to our show. Welcome back to the Produce Industry Podcast, everyone. It's always great to hear from dynamite companies producing dynamite content. We are back in the studio, round three with Data Essentials. Mike, our trendologist, is here again <laughs> talking all things fresh. Mike, I love having you, man. Ah, I love being here. I think, I think you're going to come on again. Because I'm having a great time with you. And I think that the listeners are having a great time learning about this. We've got tons of other fun facts we can talk about with all this data. So that's what we might do. I'd like to hear from uh, some of the listeners out there if they want to hear you back or if they want to boot you off. So send yeah. some comments. <laughs> if you want to hear weird. Mike what back again. This to the listeners yeah. like, no, do not or or let's boycott. Yeah. You know what? I'll, I'll petition <laughs> against him. I'll be the first one to petition against Mike then. You know what? <laughs> Uh, but no, Mike, it's it's great. This is some of the fun stuff that I learned from you. And we get to have this conversation back and forth just about all kinds of, of fun things. Now, the next two topics we're going to talk about is functional fruits and veggies and bespoke produce along with new varietals such as the pink pineapples, cotton candies, and more. So, Mike, let's get into what what the heck is a functional fruit and veggie? Like, is that that just means it's like capable to be produced and be at a retailer? Like, are there some fruits and veggies <laughs> that are not functional enough to go out into society? <laughs> I mean, that would be a good definition for them. Yeah. Just to, are they functional at their core. Yeah. No, we need so, core functional. Yeah. We need, like we say, we need functional. Got citizens. a two-year job. Yeah. yeah, we need functional fruits and veggies. If not, you're not getting hired. Um, no, I mean, so functional fruits and veggies, um, it's any of those, you know, foods that kind of do something for you from a health perspective. So um, at Data Central, we track health trends um, through, um, so it was Healthy 1.0 was kind of the 80s, early 90s, where we were taking stuff out of foods, you know, low fat, no calorie, you know, things like that. That was kind of the first iteration of, um, you know, health trends from a recent perspective. Then Healthy 2.0 was all those feel-good foods. So it wasn't necessarily taking something out of your food. It was, you know, there are aspects to the food that make me feel better about eating it. So that's when we saw the organics or we saw, you know, farm to table. You knew the farmer who grew 
through it. So it made you feel a little bit better about what you were purchasing. And now we've kind of moved into this new era of healthy 3.0, which is all I want my food to do something for me. So I want it to give me energy or I want it to keep me full for the day. I mean, that kind of drove all of the protein menuing and all of the protein products we saw at retail. And so um, we actually kind of, you know, saw a little bit of a slowdown right before the pandemic in some of these functional fruits and veggies. And then COVID kind of, you know, renewed interest all over again, and everybody wanted immunity boosting food. So, so we did a study a couple of years ago, um, right at the beginning of the pandemic, asking consumers, what do you perceive to be the fruits and veggies, or actually, what do you perceive to be the foods overall that are the most immune boosting, and all of the top options are all fruits and veggies. So it was dark leafy greens, citrus, and garlic were the top three options that consumers perceive to be immune boosting. Woo! All right. So those are functional. Uh, those are some good ones, I would say. That uh, So really, what fruits and veggies can help your body almost, right? Some of them are immune boost boosters. What about that dragon fruit? I know we talked about tropicals weeks ago. I mean, that's one for your gut too, isn't it? I mean, there's there's a lot of good functional fruits and veggies out there, Mike. Now that you now that you classified it that way, I get it now. Yes, I mean they're kind of by their very nature, you know, citrus or you know fruits and veggies overall are functional. You know, I, like I don't think there's kind of a fruit or veggie that doesn't have some mineral content that doesn't have some vitamin content. I mean, really, the key thing is just calling out, you know, all of those different, um, you know, immune boosting or antioxidant rich or whatever vitamins it has. You know, calling out those kind of factors that you um, you know would find in some of these fruits and veggies what they can actually do for you what it's almost like let me let me see if i can uh find it i've got some fun stuff in my desk that i got from dan the produce man mm. um and there, there are actually some produce trading cards let's see if i can let's see if i can grab one i'll let you pick should we do a carrot a pineapple corn sweet potato jackfruit artichoke kiwi or zucchini which Ooh. one should we uh, let's do kiwi i love kiwis kiwi all right let's grab let's grab the up oh, here are the kiwi okay so let's see because dan would always have these fun cards um now this is number 12 this is kira the kiwi so her origin is from china called the yang tao or the chinese gooseberry it has vitamin C for antioxidants, vitamin E that helps support your brain and cardiovascular and respiratory systems, calcium that'll help make your bones strong as well as your teeth, magnesium that keeps your heart nice and healthy, vitamin B12 that helps with cellular repair and maintenance, DNA synthesis and amino acid metabolism. Let's not forget about the potassium that helps with muscle yeah. and nerve activity. So Dan, the produce man would make these cards and back in the nineties, he would, you know, give them out to, you know, kids that came into the stores. But what he did was he actually named what everything of this particular fruit and veggie will do for your body. Right. Absolutely. Now, if that's not functional, I don't know what that, that is a resume to get out to the retail <laughs> store. My What's right? interesting too, you know, we ask consumers, you know, not only do you want to try these, but where do you want to try, you know, functional foods and beverages? And the interesting thing is, I think a lot of times we associate some of this stuff with, you know, other healthy categories. So yeah, consumers want to eat it in a smoothie. That seems obvious. But actually when you poll consumers, they say, no, I want to see it everywhere. They want to see it in burritos. They want to see it on pizza. They want to see it in burgers. 
And so some of these options, I mean, garlic, dark leafy greens, you, you can use them in categories that aren't necessarily considered healthy, but to opt that, you know, functional factor in those options. I agree that I, I definitely agree. So let's take a couple other ones. What other ones can we think about that could, I mean, all of these, I think all of them are functional. All let's, of them. Be, let's be real. Yeah. But if we think a couple more, maybe some people are going, hmm, I don't I know. I mean, I think the category that we saw a lot of interest in, you know, kind of in a, a few years ago was any of the purple options, um, you know, which tend to have those anthocyanins, um, which are supposed to be good for you. So we saw a real interest in the acais and, you know, those type of options. Uh, berries in general, you know, I, you often hear that the darker the color, kind of the healthier it is. Um, so I know berries in general are a real key category. I've seen a lot of interest in, um, you know, bananas for potassium, absolutely. Uh, but yeah, I don't think, I mean, is seriously, is there a produce variety that doesn't have some functional benefit, some health factor to it? Yeah, I think you're right. You know, I even saw someone posted the other day on LinkedIn that they were saying that, uh, you know, plants are so bad for your body, but that we shouldn't eat plants because of all the the bad things they have in it. And, you know, really, like, you know, beef and steak and meat and potatoes is what you should do because that's what the caveman ate. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, I always say, you know, you know, people evolved, you know, that like we we went from, you know, eating raw meat to eating cooked meat. Uh, that's evolution over time. Heck, some people don't even eat meat anymore because it it doesn't fit well with their stomach. You know what I mean? Or it doesn't feel well with their body. Sometimes they think it's a choice. They're like, oh, you're just choosing not to eat meat. You're just choosing to be a vegan or be a vegetarian. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes these, these other items aren't functional for their bodies either. Mm-hmm. Like, so a lot of times, you know, I, I love hearing the functional fruits and vegetables because a lot of times you can function off a lot of fruits and vegetables. You can live off fruits and vegetables. You can get your proteins from your carbohydrates, your, your, uh, look, your calcium, your B12, your amino acids. I mean, someone just sits around and eats raw meat all the time. I don't, I don't think their life is is going to be that long, especially because you can't really eat raw meat anymore. <laughs> well, I think it's a strange thing to say that, you know, going back to some time in the past where, I mean, cavemen didn't live very long, you know, like they oh, didn't no. have, you know, 70, 80 year old, you know, lifespan. So uh, I think it's a strange thing to say that they were kind of the epitome of health. Yeah, right. I mean, it's kind of funny that they look back at that and go, well, the caveman did it. Yeah. yeah. Well, the caveman also built, uh, tried to build a wheel and it was a square. So <laughs> you see that, that old car, that old, that old car too. Yeah. yeah, but it's like, I get it. You know, it's like, you know, smash first and ask questions later, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now that, you, now that you think about it, I've never seen the Hulk eating any food on any of these Marvel movies, you know? <laughs> He's just smashing everything. That's it. He's just smashing. So, yeah, I, mean, I think it's crazy that we that some people think that way, but I think it's just obviously their upbringing and, you know, how they're projected towards fruits and vegetables. I got a buddy that's in the Air Force. He knows who he is if he listens to the podcast. Um, you know, he doesn't eat greens. He like, he's like, I, I, he's like, I'll like throw up if I eat broccoli or Brussels sprouts and he's meat and potatoes, huh. but it's, but it's kind of funny is, you know, Hey, you know, I, I love you big guy, but you know, his body type also determines what he eats as well. So he's True. very, yeah. he's very yeah. thick. He's very, it's like mm-hmm. he's big boned. It seems like, right. But look, he's it's, it's meat and potatoes. When you look at my plate, I'll have chick chicken is only a quarter of my plate. The meat is only a quarter of my plate. And then you'll have four different more items, you know, and then you have either some potatoes on there, some broccoli on there, maybe some corn, um, maybe some carrots, right? There's more to it 
but some people they'll they'll pull three chicken breasts on their plate. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, uh-huh. and, then, and then a potato, and you're like, yo, you're like, I couldn't even eat three chicken breasts in one day. How are you <laughs> in one city? Well, that was what was so interesting about kind of the whole growth of protein and, you know, so many consumers demanding more protein. I remember there was a journalist I saw at a conference a couple of years ago, and she said she was driving to work and she looked over at the person in the car next to her. And the person was downing one of those protein ice creams um, at like eight in the morning, you know, and I think it's this a desire for, you know, this idea that we need so much more protein. Actually, most American consumers get enough protein, actually. I would think they do. I mean, even even if you, I would say you don't, I mean, even myself, I, I drink protein shakes as well. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. And, and it's and what's funny is, is I don't always do it just because like, I'm like, oh, I need protein. No, I actually do it because I like the taste of them too. And it's also a supplement too for your workouts because you, you burn calories. And sometimes when you get done working out, you don't want to just go eat a bunch of food. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, it, it's not appetizing at all. So in an area where we're often deficient is fiber. We often don't get enough fiber, which is, you know, where so many fruits and veggies come from. hundred percent, hundred percent. Well, let's talk about the other and the last, the last one, the, the bespoke produce and those new one, varietals, yeah. right? I mean, um, you, you put uh, cotton candy grapes on there. I'm not really a fan of cotton candy grapes, but I'm going to let you get into this first. And, and I'm sorry for all you cotton candy grape lovers out there. It has <laughs> nothing to do with grapes. I don't like the taste of cotton candy. Yeah, I, I'm the same. I mean, I think the, the fans out there are probably under 12. So, but I think this is such a fascinating trend, you know, we've been seeing in the past few years is I mean, we see it happen, you know, in any particular industry where, you know, you got to keep consumers excited, you got to keep consumers interested. And so you have to develop new varietals, you have to develop, you know, new options that really get them so excited to either purchase it at the store, or, you know, operators to put it on the menu. But we've seen a real interest in, um, you know, growing interest in just the past few years in some of these really unique varietals. So the things like the pink pineapple, which, um, you know, when that was released, we were seeing all the millennial pink, you know, options everywhere. Pink was all over social media. We saw so many restaurants, you know, doing pink restaurants. And so, uh, you know, it made sense to kind of develop a fruit option that had that same hue to it. It was really expensive when it was released. I believe Del Monte released it and it was $70, I think. The price has come down since then, but it's still, uh, you know, a pretty fancy premium variety. Um, Cotton candy grapes are, you know, absolutely already at supermarkets across the country. Um, Pine berries, I know I've been seeing, which is that cross between a strawberry and a pineapple. I actually saw that at my local Aldi the other day. Um, So, you know, we're just seeing a real interest. Actually, 38% of consumers, we tested some of these um, with consumers. 38% of consumers wanted to try the pink glow pineapple, which was the top option they were interested in. You know, I have tried, well, one, I've tried the pink, yes, but the, uh, that honey glow, I I think Uh is a good one. So I used to distribute pineapples as well. And there's a few different uh, varieties, right? You got the MD2, you got the 7350, you've got that honey glow. There's a few different varieties. Even Hawaii was trying to coin some, um, I would say some new varietals. Uh, the MD2 is your basic, you know, pineapple that you see in the store. It's your golden pineapple, right? That pretty much everybody thinks they know so much about. But I, I definitely love to see a new pineapple variety. Uh, the pink pineapple, which is a, is GMO, um, you know, obviously they're taking the, the crown off so you can't try to replicate it. I, I don't think it's as 
crazy sweet as they say it is, mm-hmm. uh, but it's definitely new and brings flavor, right? To to uh, a, a, a what a category that hasn't had it in years, right? Um, and then the same thing, like like even with with cotton candy grapes, right? It's bringing a light because as someone just re- used to like, remember back in the days there was only like a black a black grape, you know? Uh-huh. I mean? Yeah. And then they, you know, then it's now red seedless and Thompsons and all these different ones, right? So it, it's almost to the point like some of these new items that are coming out they're coming out in categories that needed kind of the revitalization too Mike absolutely definitely I mean it's it's what we see happen all the time where something makes it to the end of our trend adoption cycle which we call the menu adoption cycle so the last stage is ubiquity once something makes it to ubiquity it's you know ripe for innovation that's when you know it's time to infuse it with new ideas new flavors, you know, when it comes to produce, develop some new varietals or find some new varietals around the world and, um, you know, try to bring them to market. Yeah, I I agree. I think that's what needs to happen. I think that that's why we should always expand shelf space during these varietal seasons. Look, we can bring this back to seasonality. Like, think about it. A cotton candy grape, is it available all year, Mike? Um, Yeah, I'm pretty sure it is. Dang it. Yeah. I didn't know, but, but point, does it taste yeah. the same? I know. Time? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I should ask the right question. <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty sure like Deco Ponds at Sumo, you know, or Tandy, yeah. mm-hmm. they're going to try and get that to be year round. Yeah. Um, I, and, and that's the thing. Yeah. And some of them, you know, they do develop so that they can be year round, um, which, yeah, unfortunately, usually it's, it's taste that suffers. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Although it was so interesting. I, was, uh, I had a chance two weeks ago to go on a raspberry tour um, up in Washington, and we went to one of the experimental fields where, the, you know, they had different varietals that they were trying to, to develop. And we would taste one raspberry from one vine and then taste the next raspberry on the next vine over. And one, the tastes were so different from each other. But we asked if we could taste the one that, you know, um, the, the, the people that worked there were so excited about. And she took us over to this one vine and she picked the raspberry for us. And it was the greatest raspberry I've ever had in my entire life. I hope it makes it to market. It was just absolutely delicious. That's amazing. I mean, I always, again, I, I always say like, I'm longing for some of those experiences. Yeah, right. It was, you want other people to have that experience. Exactly. Can you, can you bottle that experience up and send it to me in a jar? <laughs> I wish I'd be a millionaire if I could. Absolutely. Right. It was like that one song that it's like, it's that that smell that brings you back. It was like if I can bottle up that smell that makes you feel like a six year old kid again. Yes. Like yeah. Imagine opening that. You having a bad day. Open that. And it's like, and you're like seriously. Oh, everything. Hey, everything's okay. <laughs> <laughs> and that was another one. Uh, do you remember the movie, uh, The Lorax? No. Oh yeah, sure. Where the where the uh, Mister O'Hare sell, sold bottled air. Air, yeah. And when people opened it, they were like, oh, it's like in your face or whatever. But it was like, it, it brought you, it, it's an emotional experience. Like, right. It's, oh, definitely. that's, that's what it is. If, if someone can sell canned air, not the one you use for your computers, and your gaming consoles, <laughs> yeah. but for nostalgia, <laughs> you're going to be a billion, a trillionaire. <laughs> So. There's a cool, um, it's an ice cream or gelato shop in Barcelona, Spain. I forget the name of it, but they actually ask um, their you know, customers to come up with new flavors based on their life experiences. And I remember one of the first ones they came up with was a woman came in 
And she said that she really loved visiting um, a cherry farm with her grandmother. So they developed this flavor that not only had the flavors of cherry in it, but I think it had like the flavor of lavender in it because the grandmother would wear this lavender perfume. And so the idea was, you know, like letting her taste this ice cream that would hopefully kind of bring her back to that great moment earlier in her life. Oh, God, Grandma, um, <laughs> bless you for what I'm about to say. Um, my grandma smelled like Old Spice and drank Pepsi and smoked cigarettes. So I don't <laughs> I mean, it, it, it might for you in particular, tasteless. it might have a really good uh, um, nostalgic flavor for you. Oh my God, yeah. <laughs> Let me go ahead and get the, uh, the, the grandma cookie, uh, number three. Uh, what's that? Old Spice, cigarette smell, yeah, and, and, pe- and Pepsi Cola. And Pepsi. <laughs> yeah. Yep, yep, I just ruined some, some kid's day. <laughs> If grandma was still around, I would just got like, I would have got virtually smacked, Mike. <laughs> I was Literally. from your description. Yeah, she sounds like that. Yeah. She's great. She was great though. Okay. Oh, that I, I just I just cried a little bit. That was <laughs> that just made me <laughs> all right. All right, everyone. Listen, I appreciate you joining in today. This is round three with Mike and We've had a great time talking with Dad Essentials. You know, Mike's a great trendologist, not just for our industry, uh, but for the globe and many different aspects of supply chain. Mike, it's always great to have you. If, if anybody wants to get a hold of yourself or the organization, you know, how can they go about doing that? Um, the best way to do it, I always say, is um, following me on LinkedIn. So it's Mike Costio, K-O-S-T-Y-O on LinkedIn. Um, or you can visit our website, datacentral.com and find out all about our company and what we do. I love it, Mike. Well, as I say, see you in the fields and on the horizon. You've been listening to the Produce Industry Podcast with Patrick Kelly. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes or Anchor to get new, fresh weekly episodes. For more, please follow us on Instagram and Facebook at the Produce Industry Podcast. Until next time, see you in the fields or on the horizon.